Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time once again. For insane in the fembrane. Insane in the uh, fembrane. I really have been enjoying doing this this podcast, insane in the in the fembrane. I love both. I love doing insane in the membrane and fembrane. Uh, thank you again to everybody for your lovely messages. Thank you for liking and subscribing and, and telling your friends. Please do keep doing that tell your friends and tell them to like and subscribe and then that pushes us up the charts that gets people noticing and that gets people listening to what we're to what we're doing and, uh, and that's why we do it we want people to hear what we're, what we're talking about is it because it's a yes it's a it's a the jumping off point is mental health but we don't sit and chat you know directly about mental health what it is we tell tell our stories and from that, people can pick out what, what they like and, and, and pick out the bits of interest to them. You know, I think it's basically showing people that, you know, all these thoughts and feelings that they have, they're not alone. We all probably feel and think you know, very similarly. So that's that's why we do this. Um, this week, I was joined by uh, Danny St. James. Now, Danny St. James is a trans woman. I'd never had a proper conversation with somebody who was trans before. I've worked with people who are trans. Um, and I, I, when I was a bus driver way back in sort of mid nineties, uh, one of the mechanics, Lynn, who was trans, and uh, I'd, I, 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 Lynn was very open. She'd sit and talk to us, have a cup of tea, and she'd always tell us about you know, her journey and how she, she, you know, what happened, what, how she got to be, you know, where she, where she went from Alan to Lynn. And it, and it, I, but I didn't really, really, I didn't really get into it with her because you know you don't, you don't want to look like a fool, you don't want to upset anybody, and you, you worry about you know. Upsetting people, so that's, you know, I didn't really get into it. But with Danny, I just thought, right, let's get her on and let's have a chat. Because I don't, again, with all of these conversations, the reason I have them is because I, I have questions and I don't, I don't, I don't know how to ask them. So I just go, fuck it, I'm just going to ask them. I'm not out to offend. I think that comes across. People can tell that my intent is pure. I'm not, I'm not out to upset or offend anybody. I'm just interested and I want to know, want to know, I want to know how it feels. So how would it feel? You know, what? How does it feel to like that? You know, the sort of like you feel uh, like you're in the like you're in the wrong body, and it, there's all these different thoughts and feelings going on. I don't, I didn't know. So it was good. Danny agreed to come on and have that chat, and she was brilliant. So uh, here's Danny St James. I know trans people, and I've met, I've gigged with trans people. I've never actually sat and spoken to someone who's trans. So I didn't. I just, I just, I thought you would be the perfect person to sit and have a conversation with. Oh God, no pressure then. 
No pressure at all. It's all on your shoulders. It's We're all on my shoulders. We're going to solve it all. Okay. Yeah, that's it. We're going to solve everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think the only times that you and I have met has been like late night, isn't it? Yes, it's always late night. There's a few. We've had a few wines and, or you know, it's solo theatre and yeah, whatever else. And Jade's in the background heckling. Oh my god, she's an absolute angel. Sorry. She is, isn't she? <laughs> oh, hang on, Danny. What did you say? I said, wine is it, Danny? Oh no, nowadays it's not wine, is it? Uh, it's not. Aren't you sober? I'm sober, sober now. Sober? Yeah, yeah, I'm sober now. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm coming up six months. Amazing. How do you feel? Do you know I? It's it's tricky because when people ask normally, how do you feel after after this period of time? I think they expect you to be like, oh my god, I get out of bed four a.m. every morning. I'm the most productive I've ever been in my life. Um, the only thing that I really noticed um, was um, a definite um, decrease in how anxious I felt all the time, um, oh. and I also feel like I've gained an extra twenty four hours a week. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah. that's probably actually realistic because I used to spend so much time prepping and planning for going out and then at least half a day following feeling like absolute shit. So it's probably have, I've probably gained all this time. But yeah, no, yeah. it's good. Yeah, I've, there's a, I mean, there's a, I, we don't, we've been drinking more indoors because we've been locked in, but ordinarily, Jade and I don't, we, we'll drink when we're out socialising, but we don't, we don't sit in the pub. Or we don't we don't actively go. Let's go and have a let's go and have a pint. It's just always connected to to our work. James um, James turned into a know. bit of a mixologist during lockdown, hasn't she? Well, yes. Well, this is it. You see, because Jade loves food and drink, but not in a not in a like. Oh, I get it. I want to get it all inside me. It, she's interested in how it how in making it, and that's how she gets. That's that's where she gets her joy from. Is that mm-hmm. you know cooking and 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 discovering and creating cocktails and things like that. So it's more about. It's more about it's more like t- it's tapping into the artistic side of it rather than just let's have a sandwich. You I know, mean, it's... you really did land on yeah. your feet with her, didn't you? I really did land. She's on my just feet making with her, all yeah. of these brilliant foods and drinks, and you're just <laughs> lapping it up. I know. I've definitely. Well, I thought I'd put on weight, but I, I got into a pair of jeans I've not got into for a little while the other day. So, oh my god, I don't I know what's that. going on? Good for you. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, de- I've definitely put on a corona belly, but I'm just embracing it now. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, well, I think that's it. Isn't it. We need. That's it. We need to change society, not us. Not us change for society. They need to embrace the embrace our curves, man. Totally. Not all this. Exactly, size zero bullshit going on. No one's a size zero and happy and well. And you know, pick your battles. You know, like if I'm if I'm yeah. going to spend all of this time worrying about what I eat, like it's just that there's enough going on in the world that I can't be get demonising myself for eating sweets. So I'm just getting on no, exactly. with it now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you. So that's six months ago. So because you're still you're part of. You're in, out in Clubland, aren't you? And kind of, yeah. So I am. Um, yeah. I. I mean. I think um, I think a lot of the way that I drank came. I was a nightclub manager for years. That's kind of how I met everybody. Yeah. I ran clubs all over London, and um, and then when I left working in clubs, that's going back about four years ago now. I just continued on the club habits, um, and then with that, it just kind of got worse and worse and worse to the point where I was just I kind of got to the end of last year, and it was just such a a negative thing for me. Um, mm. so then, yeah, I went, I, I, I got into the, um, the 12 step program, um, right at the end. So it's kind of like the end of December, beginning of January. And, um, yeah, yeah so, it, I mean, 
It's been good. I'm enjoying it. My my boyfriend's 15 years sober, so that's really helped me to have that kind of oh, reference cool. point of somebody who's done it for so long. Yeah. Um, and, then, and was he able to sort of help you with it? Yeah, for sure. Just just his yeah. way of thinking about it was was helpful to have around. I don't think I would have been able to do it if I was with somebody that was a heavy drinker or a heavy user. Um, no. But when you look around at like kind of like pillars within nightlife in London, you look at like Jodie Harsh, Fat Tony, they're all sober. Like everybody is, but they're kind of just oh, the, really? the puppeteers of the club scene, but they're just able to remember it all, which is brilliant. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, you get that, that Pavlovian mm-hmm. response when you're in those environments, I guess. Yeah. You feel, yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. It, it, yeah, yeah, I get that. I totally get it. It's like with what with, with comedy, you, it, I got to a point, I'm like, I'm having another pint at a gig, and it's like, why am I, why? And it's all to do with nerves, I realised, and so that's how I, I sort of, it wasn't a problem, but it was, it was, it was enough to make me start thinking about it, you know? Sure. So... Yeah, you know, I didn't have to go. To, I didn't have to do the twelve steps, but I, I, had, I made steps not to have pints at gigs and just sort of like cut down a little bit. Um, how did you find the twelve steps? Because I know, I because I did SLA, you know, the sex and love addicts. Oh, um, it's so interesting that you would mention yeah. that because I've been looking into starting SLA as well. Um, not because of my current oh, really? current behaviours, but I definitely have recognised within the the program. I've recognised former behaviours that I had, so I was kind of toying mm, with the idea yeah. of looking at meeting for that as well. Um, not sure. I am. Um, I mean, the twelve steps. It's. Um, I, I don't feel qualified to give like an in-depth thing on it because it's only been six months. And I, to be mm. honest, I, I've kind of dipped in and out of it as well. I'll go a, yeah. month, a month and a half without doing a meeting and then I'll do three in a week. Um, yeah. And th- I, I picked up quite quickly that it wasn't going to be something where for a lot of people, it's kind of like they swap one addictive behavior for another and the one that they replace it with is meetings. Yes. And I saw yes. there was people in some of the meetings that I was going to and they were going to, uh, without exaggerating, they were going to 12 meetings a week, which is wow, which is 12 hours out of your week um, in meetings. Yes. So that for me, I, I didn't feel like I required that level of support. Mm. Um, yeah. But I've, I found it all really positive. I haven't, it, I haven't been working through the 12 steps in terms of like getting to the redemption and the sponsorship and, and the passing on. So I've just been kind of enjoying my own entry mm. into it. And, um, and it, it's just been a time where I really recognized so many things that went, that went wrong over the years because of problems that I have with drinking and getting on it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. It's the getting on it. I used to, it wasn't so much just sitting and drinking. It's the it's the party atmosphere, the the socialising. That's what I love. Yeah, and it yeah, and then when it gets to a point, it's all the time. Mm-hmm. And my, my get, yeah, the main reason that I that, that I knew that I had to kind of get help and get and and stop. I was getting really really bad blackouts of time, so oh, sure. I could I could just have t- honestly two glasses of wine. And the following day, I wouldn't be able to tell you how I got home, who I'd spoken to, what we'd spoken about, just no memory of it. So I knew, and as well, it got to a point, especially last year where I was waking up and not only did I not remember it, but other people remembered me and it wasn't in a positive way. I'd done stuff that was just (sighs) not great. It was kind of like, I used to be the person where you drop, I drop, you drop me into the middle of the party and I was like a spinning top. You kind of bounce around the whole night and... I would have, wouldn't have been out with one group of people. I would have been out with everyone because I was just bouncing around. And yeah. that, that c- coupled with a, a um, kind of 
a, a load of arrogance that came with with a, like substance abuse, and I um I just mm. became a a right shit to be honest, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I just became really shit when I was fucked. So um yeah. So yeah, I've, um, it's it's actually been the perfect year as well to get sober because there's no social pressure to drink at the moment. That's it. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect in, in in some respects. I totally get what you mean about that that sort of being a liability when you when you when you get to a level. Mm-hmm. I know I've been guilty of that. You know, I know everyone is. Everyone's had a moment when it, but when it's every time, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. And it's, yeah, I can, I totally relate to that. And when I told people, I said, you know, I'm, I'm getting help because I feel like I've got a, a drinking problem. I, I had a lot of imposter syndrome with it initially because I wasn't the, the person that was pouring Baileys all over cornflakes. But if I'd, oh, have, right, yeah. if, if I'd have let it continue, I probably would have got to that point. And, and I kind of, when people said that to, say to me now, like, oh, you weren't even that bad. It's like, well, how bad did I have to get for you to recognize that it was a problem? Because it, it was definitely yeah. a problem for me. So, yeah. yeah and, um, and just the anxiety I would feel leading up to drinking, knowing I would probably do something bad. It's just gone. It feels oh, so much shit, better. Yeah. That's, that's half the thing, isn't it? It's the, yeah, the anxieties. And you drink and do whatever to get rid of that anxiety because it, especially when, you know, you, you'll you have a line or something or a mm-hmm. pill and mm-hmm. and suddenly all those anxieties go and you feel elated. You're like, oh, all the knots in my stomach have gone. Of course I should do this all the time. For sure, And then yeah. you just, you come back down and then you've added to it. Yeah, it's oh, all, my goodness. all that turmoil. When I used to out. get booked for a club thing, I used to fill a protein shaker with about a third tequila and then I'd top it up with lemonade and I'd put a bump of MDMA in it and I would drink that on the tube to get to the club. Fucking hell. Yeah, I was, honestly, I was mental. (laughs) (laughs) I was not okay. I I mean... There's no way once I'd had MDMA, I'd go, oh, yeah, I'll just go about my day. That's that's the day written off. Yeah. That's, well, that's no, I'm not gone. saying that's it. That's gone. No, yeah. that wasn't in the morning. That was to go to a nightclub. Yeah. So, like, and I... Oh, I see. I thought you was on the way to work. Oh, my God. Could you to... imagine? No. <laughs> no. No, 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 Oh, God, that, that would have been a real problem. No, I, like, if I was booked for, for hosting, I used to get booked at clubs all, all over the place to just to host. So I put it all over social media and be like, you know, I'll get you guest list, come to this club and I'll be there and, and all of that. And I would go, and I would drop into a nightclub and I'd just be a bloody riot. I'd, it would be within an hour, I'd have most of my clothes off and be walking down on top of the bar, you know? <laughs> so, um, but to, in order for me to get into that frame of mind, yeah, it was like, it was like dropping a Molotov cocktail into my liver. Yeah. <laughs> and your yeah, and your boyfriend's been fifteen years sober. I mean, what did he make of it all? When you were in the in the eye of the storm, he must um, have just been. Uh, I don't think he saw the extent of it ever because. Oh really? Yeah, because he runs secu- Well, he before all of this, he ran security on nightclubs, so he was working in the night. So he would. Oh okay. The only experience he had of me in it, like coming towards the end of my party days was he would see he would see the hangover. Um, because yeah. he'd be out working and I'd be at the club, at, at, at a much different club. Um, so yeah, he, um, his experience was mainly the boozy mouth, miserable person that would wake up on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just get, he just get what was left. Yeah. That, yeah. He'd get the shell, of, of, yeah. the shell of the person that was left after the party. Yeah. 
<laughs> where where did you where did you meet him? So I am um, about f- in in 2015. I ran a nightclub. This is funny, actually. I ran a nightclub in the middle of Chelsea, so all posh people, and um, it was a cowboy themed nightclub called the Be- mm. called the Beaver Lodge. And wow. uh, yeah, and um, <laughs> so I ran this club in Chelsea. I was the general manager, and the company that owned it owned also an 80s themed nightclub up the road called Maggie's, which is quite a well-known 80s club. And um, at the time, my boyfriend was the head doorman on that club. And because it was the same company, there was a lot of crossover. So we met about five years ago. And then, um, yeah, now we've been, but it kind of disappeared. And now we've been properly together for about eight and a half months. Amazing. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. He's found. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you're with someone that's quite, it's like with Jade, like, cause Jade's larger than life. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. You have to, we've talked about this in, we've had been having couples therapy and it only be only, you know, we love each other. That's not the issue. It's just that other factors come in and kind of fuck it up a little bit. Sure. And, and we, you know, you know, and you take, you take your shit out on each other. And we're, now we're trying to work out why, but you, it, I've started to learn that you can't, you, one of you has to kind of be, I don't know. It's I think you just sort of flip flop between who's who's the more kind of uh, supportive, and then who's the one that's that, that's the larger than life character, and it kind of flip flops between the two. Yeah, my um, my, a, my therapist says it's the gardener and the flower, and you can switch between the two. It's you're either uh, being the gardener yeah. or you're being the flower. Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Like one of that's them is exactly how, yeah. One of them is on display, and one of them's doing the work, but you can kind of alternate with that. Yes, fucking hell. See, always oh, learning. That's amazing. <laughs> that that this is why I reckon everybody should go to therapy at, in, at some people. There's that stigma attached to therapy where people think you have to go because there's something it's not something's not right. But mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to go and talk to someone and have someone put it in those and put it in that framework like that, like you've just done. Absolutely, and yeah. Just, and, and, th- and suddenly well- you've got this clarity. And there's so there's so many different variations of therapy. Um, I mean, I've been through a couple of different types. So I've been through gender therapy and my therapist now deals specifically in kind of like trauma, grief and that sort of stuff. And then just gender. But to find him, I had to go through um, so, like a, a, a variation where they knew they were comfortable with trans people because right. I, I didn't want to go to any therapist that would always pinpoint all of my problems to the fact that I'm trans. So I had to go to a therapist that could kind of separate that and go like, okay, you're trans, but that doesn't take away the fact that you went through something, you know? Yes. Uh, I see again that, of course, some, you know, yeah. Even though they're therapists, they're sometimes their own, their own, beliefs and feelings and kind of can oh my god totally yeah take, I mean, can take, no, yeah of course like no, human beings. nobody is without bias you know and no. um and i think if say, say if i went to if i didn't live in london and i was in i don't know scunthorpe <laughs> and mm, i just went yeah. to i went to my gp and i said i need to see a therapist and they went and gave me this but basic therapist in Scunthorpe, that person would at some point probably judge an issue that I was having and think that the root of it was gender solely because they didn't understand Mm. gender therapy. So it was, you know how that, and it's kind of like finding the right pair of jeans, you know, you can try on a load of Mm. different pairs and they're not going to work and then you find the one and you stick with it, you know? 
Yes, absolutely. Do you know what? That's that's brilliant. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Yeah, of course. <laughs> makes complete yeah, of course it makes complete sense. I also really I wanted a gay therapist. Year. I had to find a gay therapist because I find <laughs> gay people way more relatable. I don't think I could really take advice from like Sharon. You know, like I had to find, <laughs> I had to find a, a nice little yeah. a nice little lovely gay guy, which I did. Yeah, I totally I totally get that. Yeah, it makes complete sense again. <laughs> when did the when did you start the gender therapy? When did all that begin? See this thing, I like I say, I've never I've I've met people who are trans, I've 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 dr- had drinks with them. We've gigged together. I even I used to work with uh Lynn who's, who was a mechanic when I was a bus driver. Oh god. And she was one of them and she was a trans yeah, so she was in that world and that, this was in like the sort of mid 90s. So it had the conversations hadn't really started they had certainly hadn't yeah. started in the uh, in the public forum yeah we're going through much, an interesting you know, turning yeah. point now because i think even the, the that very brief description you gave of lynn that was mm. it kind of the epitome of what a trans person was allowed to be in the 90s you know they yes. um that was that was the vision that you had of trans people whereas now we've reached this turning point where all of a sudden we're, re- we're realizing that oh trans people are teachers and they're doctors and they make yeah. their they work in pizzerias and they work in pharmacies, you know, like the the, yeah. the spectrum of what you see as a trans person now has really opened up. And that comes from, even though I'm not a fan of her, um, that comes from having conversations about Caitlyn Jenner and having conversations about mm. all of these, these kind of trans narratives opens it up. I think we're at a similar point now that we were in the yeah. very, very early 2000s when Queerest Folk was on Channel 4. Yes. Um, because all yeah. of a sudden, we as a country recognised that gay men weren't all Graham Norton, Dale Winton and Paul O'Grady. We, that's yes, rem- they weren't, yeah. They weren't these kind of sexless, um, campy men. They were actually just men. And that's it. that opened up a conversation 20 years ago. And now we've reached a point yeah. where all of a sudden we're going, oh, not all trans people are... Dave, who is fifty three, and he's he, and she has now become Sarah. You know, like we we mm. reach a point where all of a sudden we're exposed to it. So it's a great point. I mean, my own my own kind of entry into gender gender care, gender therapy. I transitioned. I started when I was about seventeen. Um, yeah. So we're going back, um, God, like 11, 12 years ago. And I, um, I actually, my, the way, the route that I went is kind of bad that I'm the benchmark of your first trans conversation because the way I went about it was completely different. I am. Um, no, really? Yeah, I kind of started socially transitioning when I was about 17. And then the day after my 18th birthday, I moved to Ibiza. And about three months in to being in Ibiza, I went to a doctor there and he just wrote down the the prescription drugs that I needed, went to the pharmacy, I bought them and that was it, which is oh, definitely wow. not the right way to go about things. In the UK, you face waiting times of up to two, three years um, yes. before, before you even get assessed. Um, really? Yeah. Well, you have yeah. to. Is it you have because my my godson um, is transitioning. Okay. Um, and and yeah, that yeah, I am aware of the. They, they they were saying yeah, she has to wait for two years, live as a woman, or whatever you know, however whatever that means. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like so. It's all that sort of thing, and then they start the process. Once oh my they, goodness! You've shown in that the, you're, 
that you're UK serious is, about. Yeah, the yeah. UK is really underfunded as well in terms of like getting people. I think it's a blessing and a curse for people in the UK with the waiting list. Obviously, it's really hard for people who have to do that waiting time. Um, but it also gives people time to really find their feet within themselves. And yes. So the, the standard protocol here, if you were to do it all in the UK, you'd go to your GP, your GP would write a referral letter to a gender, your, your local gender care clinic. The waiting list mm. time averages out now between two and three years. And then you get that letter two years later, they call you in, you get assessed by a gender psychologist, then they would sign you off. They would send a letter back to your GP who then prescribes you hormones. And that's when your journey begins with the medical transition. So where yeah, I kind right. of, where I'd skipped all of that, because I did it all in Spain, kind of dodgy, really. I mean, they didn't even check my blood. So it was just a case of here's the estrogen and here's the, here's the medication you need to stop producing testosterone, off you go. And oh, um, wow. so I did that. But I mean, th to be honest, that was probably the, 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 um, the pill, the pills that I was taking in Ibiza, that was the least one to worry about. Um, and so, oh, really? yeah. oh God, I was a fucking yeah. nightmare. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was a podium dancer in Ibiza. Popping estrogen was nothing. Wow. I was, I was busy, I, I was busy on all the disco biscuits. Um, oh, of course, yeah, which could have anything in them, yeah. Oh God, yeah, I was all over the place. <laughs> and so, um, then when I moved back to the UK, I moved straight to London and went to a, um, a GP, signed up, walked in, and I basically said to him, look, I've been on this medication for the last two years. And he said, well, it would be more detrimental for you now to go on to the waiting time to get to the gender clinic and come off this medication. Mm. He's like, so I'm going to prescribe you exactly what you're on, and then we'll get you into a gender right. care clinic. And they kind of bypassed me on that also. So got into a gender care clinic when I moved to London, which is eight years ago. Um, yeah. And then that's when gender therapy began. So that was a whole different right. kettle, of, kettle of fish. Wow, really into it. Mm. Really, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, what does it, this This is, I mean, some of these questions will sound ignorant. They that's might fine. sound, I don't know, immature. I don't know, because I, like I say, this is the first time I've really had a conversation about it. I've seen all the fights going on online. Yeah. And all everyone on both sides shouting and screaming at each other that, this is the this is the way it is, and that and Europe. This is oppression and Europe, and everyone's there's no one's really seems to be sitting down mm -hmm. and having a conversation about it. So you can get kind of lost in all the fighting. So yeah. I apologise in advance if sometimes I, mean, I last it. Honestly, you know. don't apologise. I think the way that I've always viewed it is even if people say to me things that I would I know are insensitive. If they're mm. saying, if people people ask me or people say it to me, I would much rather you say it to me with because I've got thick skin to it, and then I inform yeah. you properly and then you won't need to ask yes. somebody who isn't so thick-skinned and it would destroy you know um absolutely yeah 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 so yeah i mean yeah. Th honestly throw it at me i don't mind because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i see it as well it's the intent it's like i just want to know i want to mm -hmm. know what it feels like where because I've, I've seen some things and then they were going you know, and then what you know they 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 were the child was born a a, a man and then the, the, when, they, when they were younger, then the, they, there was a lot of conversations about mum saying, oh, it was the best day ever when we went shopping for dresses and things like that. And then that made me think, well, what it, is, is it? Because dresses and things like that seems more like a societal symbol. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like women wear this, men wear that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you're like, but if I made a blouse and a shirt out of the same material, 
mm-hmm. it would be the same thing. So surely it's more than clothing. So what is it? What? When did you first start to think? Because there's that old stereotype as well. Oh, I felt like I was in the wrong body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, it, so, yeah. that wasn't my experience. It def- uh, the, no. the, the, the entrapment definitely wasn't my experience. But I think the, the conversation that surrounds trans kids and how they are treated, it's, um, mm. it's an argument that will never, ever have a, a black and white answer because it's so no. case-by-case dependent. There are so many kids that experience at some point they could, they can sometimes just say like, it can be a little boy who goes, oh, I want to wear a dress. And then mm. it just turns out to be a fab gay guy. But there's also a chance that it could be a trans kid, you know? So there's yeah. there's no correct answers and there's no completely right or wrong way of dealing with kids that have these gender issues. But um, the, the healthcare that goes into it, people are terrified. If you look at currently, there's a big argument going on because... The Tories Equalities Minister is has announced these um, these this like this plan of legislation that she would like to strip all healthcare from people under the age of eighteen, both mental and physical, for trans people, which right. is so 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 detrimental because a lot of the care that's provided for the people that are under the age of eighteen is solely therapy. You know, and and mm, and just having yeah. somebody to talk to that's not going to say, you you can't do that. That's for boys, You're or you wrong. can't do that. Yeah. yeah, and um and stripping that away from kids is gonna. Call, I mean, when I was a teenager, no one could tell me what. No, if you'd said to me, "Don't do something," I was going to do mm. it twice and record it. You know, yeah. so stri- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stripping away healthcare and and support for 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 trans young people is going to lead to people buying their hormones on the internet, which you don't know what they are. It's going to lead to self harm. Yes. It's going to lead to because trans um, trans mental health care is one thing, but when it's left untreated, you then you 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 then develop different strains of anxiety um borderline personality Mm. disorder bipolar all of these things that will follow from somebody having zero support and just the the detriment that's caused to mental health long term whereas if you give kids kids an ear and a shoulder and you just tell them that nothing is wrong whatever they're feeling isn't wrong it's just we need to work it out a little bit that's great, but mm. so the Tories are trying yeah. to take it away at the minute, which is why there's so much uproar about it. Uh, well, this, you see, this is what happens when you get when you get lost in all the arguments mm-hmm. and fingers are being pointed and accusations are because when you first hear about mermaids and Susie Green and and everyone's everyone's saying, oh, you can't have trans kids. That's against this. No one has said like you've just said. There's a lot of um, therapy and there's a mm-hmm. lot of talking. It's all holistic before, for sure. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah that's if, it. If you look at um, the numbers, so it's interesting that there's so much. T- discussion about trans people because being trans affects um, 0.3 to 0.7 percent of the UK population so oh, really yeah so we're talking about the whole of the UK and between 0.3 and 0.7 of those people have at some point got to reach out for gender related care that's a tiny tiny minority mm, and then yeah. within trans kids so people are trans that have been treated in any way both mental and medical under the age of 18 
they've um the, the the figures on that is that one in 200 of those people treated has recorded um thoughts or actions of reversing um so and detransitioning so if you imagine one mm. in one in 200 of those under 18s regrets it and of those mm. one oh, really? one in 200 they are only making up 0.3 to 0.7 of the uk population you think about how yeah. much of a tiny, tiny, minute percentage that is, and yeah. these these um, these kind of radical feminists are really, really honing in on that tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of people. Yeah. Um, but it, it, for for me, it kind of feels the, the analogy that I use for it is to have all of these campaigns that are trying to stop it is like me trying to stop Eskimos from building is igloos, like. Yeah. That's the tiniest population, and it isn't hurting anyone. <laughs> like, why are you acknowledging yes. it? I I don't hate Eskimos, so why do you hate trans people? Because they're about as relevant to your life when you are a white, cisgendered, female, middle-class, conservative woman. We're having zero effect to you. And mo for, for the vast majority, trans people are just trying to get by, you know? We're just trying to get, yeah, just yeah. Trying to get by, and... and there's um sorry i'm probably rattling on a little bit about this no 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 you keep no you keep rattling it's <laughs> the, this, is, um, this is exactly what this is exactly what this is exactly what this is for so yeah, yeah. there's a there's a narrative that surrounds trans people um where we are still in this turning point and we're years away from equality and i think we recognize that as a community mm. the the narrative that is often spread is that we are these kind of sexually deviant um people you know like we we're all about sex and that's what it is but if you strip that back and look at the reasons for that viewpoint is because um it's estimated between 60 and 70 percent of trans women that's i, I mean I'll, I'll focus solely on trans women just because that's what i know i don't know all that much about mm, trans men but yeah. trans women between 60 and 70 percent are estimated to either be current or former um sex workers now, okay. the reasoning for that is people people look at sex work and they automatically think of like sexual deviance. But mm. the reason trans people have to turn to sex work in in those great numbers is because of um, a, a trans woman who's very early on in her stages of her trans transition doesn't look passable as female, say, right and she cannot walk into the vast majority of jobs in the UK. They will not, that mm. they will meet her and whether she's had no surgery, no hormone treatment, her hair hasn't grown out yet. She can't just walk into yeah. say um, an office admin job because realistically they will laugh her out of there because people don't have a, the correct view on trans women yet. So along with trans, along with your transition, is this huge medical and procedure bill that comes with being trans? I'm so, so I'm so lucky that I've been able to afford all of my my procedures and surgeries. I've afforded everything out of my own pocket solely through the privilege yeah. that I've that I've had as somebody that was able to pass as a, a as a born female um, in, throughout my life. That was that was privilege and that was luck. But mm. the, the the amount of like I've worked and been in senior roles for the last 10 years, 15, 10 years. 
and um, I've got nothing to show for it other than the way I look. And that's that's the life that we mm-hmm. face is that you, you so to gain that money, the average trans woman who wasn't able to just go and get a job like I was lucky enough to do, they yeah. have to turn to sex work because it's the only thing that they is, is available to them. They they mm-hmm. can't go, they can't even go and work in McDonald's most of the time. So they turn to sex work because it gives them the money that they can afford to end up looking away that they can go and get a job in McDonald's. Wow. See, that's something else that doesn't get talked about is the expense. Oh, my goodness. Rich, it's insanity. It's It's absolute insanity. And if you strip it apart, it it would blow anybody's mind. And and anyone who's not in it um, would probably see a lot of it as vanity, I guess. But it's it's mm. it's like life affirming. If you look at if I if I wrote down every every amount of money that I spent, there's something to do with just going about my day to day life and feeling comfortable. And that's from laser hair removal, um, you know, fillers, procedures, surgeries. It's basically my life's work. My life's work has gone yeah, into yeah, yeah. just being able to walk down the street. And that's that's wow. the, that's the life that we face, and and it's something that doesn't get spoken about, and it should be because people will then understand that when uh, part of this legislation that um, Liz Truss, who's the Equalities Minister, is also trying to bring in, is the reinforcement of single sex spaces that's based on your birth gender. So it would mm. it would stop me from being able to go to a woman's bathroom if I didn't look, if I wasn't bit passable. I wouldn't be allowed to go into a yeah. bathroom if, if, if she gets what she wants. Oh, wow. And um, wow. Yeah. so I, literally, like, w- you work your whole life just to get to a point where you are able to do things that most people can do by birth. Yeah. You know, and you don't. These are, the, and that's it. This is not what. None of this is. I. I'm, this is the first time I'm talking about this mm-hmm. with anybody. It, I didn't even really. It didn't, didn't even occur to me. Of course, yeah. It takes. It take, It's not just about one day you go. I'm a woman. Oh God, or I'm no. a man. I mean, some people it's, do, it's, yeah. but they are ridiculed. Yeah. You know, mm. like I. But it's I, that. Like yeah. I say, I mean, I, I've I've been so lucky. I I had I've had a decently successful modeling career alongside a very good um, professional career that I'm really proud of. But the the only reason for that is, is been what I was, what I was privileged to have to begin with and what I've been able to afford by being able to pass as something that most people are just born as, you know? Yeah. 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 Wow. And that's that's it. What what the other thing that seems to be happening, like you say, it's a very small percentage of of the population. Tiny are trans, yeah, very tiny. But it's if you're not if you're not aware of it, it's you, you know I see so many arguments and and sometimes it's being made to sound like there's this invasion. Oh my god, yeah, we're like Suddenly, we're like Russian sleeper cells that like we're just going to pop up and <laughs> and steal your kids. We're everywhere. Yeah, you know, like it's, a lot it's of, crazy. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of I see a lot of women now standing up and going no you're not women we've worked really hard to get the rights we've got for women against men and now a lot of them they, they seem to be saying this is this is what i've read and, mm-hmm. and seen but they go they just say well it just it's just men taking away our rights again and, <laughs> and you know you're like fucking hell what the fuck's going on if as an outsider you're looking at all sides going what the fuck why aren't we why are, why aren't we talking a lot more about this like this now has been the most enlightening conversation i've had Oh, good. I'm glad. You know, I mean, it's, it, you know, and it, 
it's crazy because they they don't realize they're saying the work that has been put into them being women and there are things about about being a woman that we will never understand on a first-hand basis i'll never know what it's like mm. to get to have a monthly period i will never carry a child i um mm. i won't go through the menopause Quite, also f funnily enough those are three things that most people say are the three worst things about being a woman but you're right i don't <laughs> i i don't understand it firsthand however my whole life has been a fight to get the rights that they have had by birth so yeah it's just interesting and like an and it, the conversations that they have that make us, that demonize us as lurkers in the bathroom. If a man wanted to, mm. if a man wanted to walk into a woman's bathroom and attack her, he would not go to the effort of having breast implants, growing his hair no. down to the bottom of his back, learning how to do makeup, having all of his body hair removed, getting a whole new wardrobe. If a man was going to attack a woman, he was just going to go and attack her. We are just trying to go to the toilet. Leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then what happens is you'll have, as all of these things, you'll have one person that will that will that will be the one that you know he there was that guy that was in, he went to prison but because he he identified as a woman mm -hmm. he they, they put him in a woman's prison and then he attacked women in prison and he mm -hmm. and that, that's it so they go right that must be the same for all oh yeah that, like, i mean not, that was you know that was fuel on a fire that they had been trying to burn for a very long time um yeah and so yeah i mean it, it happened it was an exception to a rule if you look at most trans people that get put into the judicial system they um more often than not end up in segregation um and right. and live a life of isolation once they go to crime um and I'd, obviously it's no excuse to crime but what what normally motivates people to do crime is being disadvantaged or in poverty and yeah. um unfortunately again it's a life that trans people for the most part are born into of being disadvantaged and being the other so the idea that we're we're trying to get into women's prisons to have our have our way yeah. with them it's wild and that's yeah and it's that it's having the having for want of a better word, normal conversations. It's like, like at the moment with the George Floyd thing and the Black Lives Matter thing and a lot of white people are now turning to black people and talking about race and you get to a point and black people are like, well, we don't, we don't always sit around talking about race. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we talk about what you talk about with people. And yeah, that's it's funny the same because, with this, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, 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 with the, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, it's like white people are now turning to black people and saying, how do I fix this problem? However, if black people had been able to fix that problem, they would have definitely done it by now. So it's a, yeah, of course. It's a white people problem to fix. I mean, black people have done everything from yeah. making music to protesting peacefully to protesting violently to making films to, you know, they've, they've, they've had all of this history of trying to change the disadvantage that they've been born into. And yet now yeah. white people turn to them and say, how do I fix this? But it's not a black people thing to fix. Um, no, exactly. Yeah. And so, exactly. I mean, I, I definitely don't make any comparison of the trans struggle to the racial struggle. Cause I think no, it would no, no. be, um, it would definitely be detrimental to us, but mm. um, there are similarities. The only thing is, I think with us is I'm, more than happy to give my time to try and help people to to change it right now and i don't think black yeah. people have any obligation to do it but i want to 
Mm, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. These, that's, yes, that's it. It needs to be more conversations like this rather than all shouting at each other and, yeah, and pointing fingers and, and shit like that. And I think when it, you allow people to ask you questions um, and they, they're not scared, I think that mm. it, it really is nourishing to a wider picture. Like, for instance, any questions that you ask me today, you're not then going to, the next time you meet a trans person, say, you're not going to ask those questions because you already know the answer. You know, you're not yeah. just going to keep on asking for an answer that you've already received. So, no, exactly. And exactly. that's yeah. the, that's the benefit of allowing yeah. people to question you. I don't do it every day, and, yeah. it all, and it all depends on the setting. If somebody... Yeah, of course. The, the, the comments that I had, especially in my younger years, where people were just vile, um, I would never allow that now because I can recognise the intent within things. But um, yes. I'm I'm always so open to having conversations and trying to help people understand stuff. Yeah, and it's the mm-hmm. and it, yeah, like you say, it's the environment as well. It's like when we when we met, you know, when when we've met out and about, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not going to turn around and start saying to you, "So when did you when did you when did you transition?" <laughs> but it's like it's because in that environment, it's irrelevant. You're like your mm-hmm. sexuality, your your gender is not. That's not why we're hanging out together. It's not a conversation to be had. Then it's like you're. We are people enjoying each other's company. Those those conversations are for another time, and it would be weird to start going. Oh, so right, you know, just you know, it, 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 like I say, it makes it. It doesn't normalise it, does it? It means that you've got an issue somewhere. If you're if you're out in those environments and you're asking questions out in that in that arena, oh god, and it happens, you know, you know it, it really does really? happen. Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, I, I've been at times where I'm, I'm literally just trying to go about my day, and somebody will ask me about it, and I think, oh god, fuck off. Yeah, I just you know? want to go and get some beans. I don't want to. Yeah, the the only thing yeah. I would say is that I do think that trans people. Are, um, we have a bit of an obligation to um, to allow the questions in the right sense. Um, a lot mm. of trans people now, because of different influential figures with our, com- our community, if they're asked a question, they jump down somebody's throat and claim transphobia. But realistically, yes, you most people are majority of people. I would say are just like all right people. Like they're fine and they're not. They're not yeah. going to hate you. However, the vast majority of people don't know trans people, so they don't know no. what they can ask and what they can't ask. Um, yes, and they don't. And they don't know the right way to say. You know, like when when somebody says like um, when some, somebody has found out that I that, that that I'm trans and they've said like, oh my god, like. You look, you look so pretty. I didn't even know that you were a boy. <laughs> like, and people say it, and they don't realise that it's like, oh my god, like, give it a rest. But yeah, I'm not, yeah, yeah. not going to jump down that person's throat because what they're saying to me is well intended, and I can control yes. that conversation and say, like, thank you so much. However, next time you say that to a trans person, you might just want to change it because. It might be upsetting towards that person, but nothing's going to affect me right now. Like I know who I am, I know what my, mm. I know who my people are, and I know where I'm going. But so yeah. jump, jumping down your average person's throat and calling them a transphobe is not only going to be detrimental to that situation, but it's going to be detrimental to every time somebody that person then encounters another trans person because they are going to be yes. scared and fear breeds um fear breeds prejudice 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. We're looking for a sponsor to help get this brilliant conversation to an even bigger audience. Sponsoring the show as well as a promotional trailer means that your message and our message will be inserted into some of ACAST's biggest podcast titles. Get on board and partner with Insane in the Fembrain. Go to pauldaniels.tv for more information. When did it start for you? When did you feel... How does it feel? For me, it was it was such a gradual thing. I... Um, yeah. My my parents, um, I, you've both met my mum. Um, my mum's like yes. amazing. My parents are both. She's lovely. Like, oh, she's wicked. Yeah, and and they're yeah. both. They were punks in the eighties and all of that, and they were ah, huge brilliant. Bowie fans and huge Boy George fans and Prince, and they had all of these figures as as kind of idols. So when I was a kid, the kind of androgynous tendencies that I would have would just were just allowed. There was never a point where it was like no, you can't have a pram, that's for a girl. Or no, you can't wear nail varnish, that's for girls. It was always just like, mm. okay, well, you're just like Bowie. And I was just like Bowie and just like Prince and just boy, like Boy George until I wasn't. Oh, and then I was yeah. just kind of like me. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for me, like, the only thing is I look back and I recognise that for a really long time, up until I was about 16, I, 16, 17, I just copied other people because I didn't know how to, I, I didn't really know how to do it. I didn't know how to be a boy at all. I was just mm. kind of c copying people around me. I mean, that even goes to like, I got tattoos from when I was 14 onwards and I've got oh, all wow. of the, all of the, the tattoos I've got from that time period are all tattoos that I saw on somebody else that I thought I needed to have in order to, to be to, to, to be right. Cause I just didn't yeah. know who I was. Um, and then I met a trans girl when I was um, 16 and that was when everything yeah. changed because I had no point of reference. The only point of reference that I had to somebody when I was a kid was Lily Savage. I had no idea what oh, a trans yeah. person was. In the 90s, it wasn't spoken about. 
Um, the only, the only, the only other person other than Lily Savage, who I was like obsessed with as a kid was, um, there was this old trans woman that lived in our town. I'm from Wales, lived in this town in Wales. And she was like, we described Lynn, the mechanic. She was like that. Yeah. And, um, she would wear overly feminine clothing and she rode around on this this men's bike, but she put those beads on the wheels of it, and everyone oh, laughed. Yeah. Everyone laughed at her. That's all they yeah, did. Yeah, everyone yeah. just took the piss out of her. And so my experience until reaching sixteen of anything that I kind of identified with was either a drag queen on the TV who was laughed at, or this older trans woman on a bike riding around Barry mm. in South Wales who was also laughed at. So right, yeah. Rather than try and be like that, I just try to be like anyone else. Um, yeah, and it's, it's like you like you said. It's that I see a lot of trans. Like it, it, my, I've, I've said this many times on on insane in the membrane. My granddad was a transvestite. Oh, really? Um, which I know. Yeah, um, it was. I only found out about this after he passed away. My dad was telling me, and Fab. he had that whole life hidden. It was all hidden, and it, but it wasn't. It wasn't because like, some people I've seen and they go to the extreme stereotypes, or extreme versions of of women. So it's 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 fabulous heels and it's tights and it's and it's mm. you know like uh, things that women probably wouldn't wear. Oh, on women a definitely basis. wouldn't wear it. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. A, Whereas, and you know, there's a couple of reasons for that. that yeah. I think uh, one, one thing I was just noticed from what you said. Isn't it a shame that we've lost the word transvestite? Because it's definitely not in the vernacular anymore of people. But I love that no, word. It, I, yeah. As we I said it, I went, I don't even know if that's the right thing anymore. No, I, I mean, because transvestite was just men that dressed up as women, whether that be yeah. for, se- for sex or just because they liked it. And uh, it, it's kind of seen as a dirty word now. And now we say, like... Mm. Um, now we say that the way somebody dresses would be gender fluid because they would go between dressing uh, male and female. But we've lost that kind of era of being able to say transvestite, which I think is quite sad. Just, yeah, that yeah, that one word tells you all you need to know. And it and it's not even a derogatory word. It's not. I didn't no, say it. No, it's not. Of, I don't think it is. On it, you know? Yeah, I mean, no. I, I think the reason for the way that trans women dress in this is two different variations um the reason that people from that are in the very early stages or people who transition much later in life i think the reason that they dress to these hyper feminine hyper sexualized um ideals mm. kind of similar to you know when a teenage girl goes through puberty and they all of a sudden wear crop tops and mini skirts and yes. it's because they're kind of working out what looks like what what looks good on them. And teenagers go through this phase where they look either slutty or shit. And yes. trans women go through that, but later on. Of course. So you yeah. see these these um these trans women who had been male all their lives, had their wives, had their kids, and then obviously the revelation came with their families and, and they start at the age of 50, 60, whatever they go through that phase of trying to work out what they look like, but they, they do it much later in their life. Um, and, and as well, because they've had to be masculine for so long because they've been boxed, they go the opposite end of the spectrum and you see people in trans people in their fifties, sixties, whenever, or just people who are in their very early stages. I did it when I was 
18, 17, 18, but I was still in my teenage years, so it was forgiven. Um, and you just go for the most feminine. I mean, now at my age, you know, like I'm not far off 30 and you would never catch me in a dress now because it's not how I feel comfortable, no. but that's because I wore dresses when I was 17, 18. And it took me a while yeah. of dressing like a slag to realize that I actually <laughs> prefer wearing jogging bottoms at a vest, you know, like it takes well, yes. a long time to get your own identity. Yeah, well, it's like Jade, like Jade, was, we were talking about this yesterday. You know, Jade was sat in jogging bottoms and a sweatshirt and, and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, and that which aren't necessarily, you know, male or female. They're just, it, it, it doesn't have to be that extreme. But like you say, it's because they're figuring it out and finding their own yeah. style. And I've seen that when I've been to clubs and I've seen people that are obviously like, for want of a better word, starting the journey mm -hmm. and it, and and so they are there. I didn't. It wasn't actually in the extreme like the like you say the slaggy stuff. It was more. It was quite frumpy. It was all like sort of frills and quite grandma. Yeah, there, there is a point as well yeah. where the only female influence that they can um, they can picture that is have got has got a bit of innocence to it is their mothers. So you see that right, also yeah. in late stage transitioners, where they end up dressing like their mums. And their mums were, were, were little old ladies. Yeah. So they've got, yeah, clutching their pearls in their, yeah. twins, wearing a twin set and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. But it's that, it's that, it, there are people like my granddad. I mean, to be honest, we don't really know if it was just a case of him wanting to wear women's clothing. My dad seems to think that he had a whole other life because there was these four guys that turned up to his funeral that no one had seen before. And they were very, very well turned out gentlemen, my dad was telling me. And you and so my dad was like, maybe he had this whole, maybe he was gay and he could, but because it was back then, he couldn't admit to it. I'm not just saying that just because he used to wear women's clothing. No, but, but there, you know, the, there was probably some, a lot of other stuff going on. The, yeah. And I mean, it's kind of something that's got so many different variations, but there also was a point where it was so shameful to be gay um, that, men would um, separate themselves to go and have sex with a man. They would both dress up as women because then it wasn't them having the sex. It was a woman having the sex that they were having. And then they would just go back to their normal lives with their wives, which was kind of a strain of transvestism, I guess, yeah. um, which is where you would see the old fellas in the plastic wigs and the mini dresses and they'd be yeah. off, they'd be off to, um, Les it up, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a but there's a big there's a big is it's a big leap from I enjoy wearing what's seen as women's clothing to feeling that your body isn't isn't how you would like it and you want to make that that change. I mean that what what did how did that feel to go like this isn't how this isn't how I should be. I should be the, uh, should be something else. How did that? What? What, was it, what does that feel like? You know. Yeah, I mean, I, get, I think, I think, um, thankfully, I didn't box anything again. For me, mm. my main experience of needing to change, of of having to change my body and having to having to go through these medical changes was um, we're, we're all different, depending on what it was. For for instance, with body hair. 
I was born, unfortunately, I was naturally very hairy. I'm not anymore because the amount of laser that I've had done. But um, oh, really? that for me was shame. It was drenched in shame around having body hair. It was so shameful to me that I had to get rid yeah. of it. Um, when I, I, I grew hormone from, from hormones over the course of a few years, I grew, I ended up with quite good sized boobs, but I just knew that my image required massive bloody tits, Rich. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I went and got myself a lovely big old pair of tits. <laughs> was there a, a catalogue? You go, I'll have them. Well, you... actually, it's funny. What yeah. happened with that is um, on the run-up to my surgery, I decided that when my surgery was going to be about six months in advance, and for anyone that would ask, I would say, Oh yeah, I'm just going to get very small, very natural implants, and and I was convinced that that was what I was going to do. I was just going to go up a couple of cup sizes, and I, that was what I would be happy with. And um, and then it came down to it on the day, and you 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 don't decide what size you're going to go to. You you tell the the surgeon what aesthetic you want to get to, and okay. Um, it got to the day of my surgery and I had my final consultation and he said, okay, so last chance now, what sort of look are we going for? And a switch just flipped in my head and I was with my ex-boyfriend and I leaned over the desk and I looked him in the eye and I went, get them as big as you can get them. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and he did. God bless him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was just kind of like instinct, I guess. But, um, mm. yeah, I think um, in terms of the dealing with the body changes and the feeling that is that is in it, it was all different for me. A lot of it was, some of it was shame. Some of it was discomfort. A lot of it was discomfort, actually. I, I was uncomfortable with the way things were and I had the chance to change things. Um, and then some of it was just vanity also, you know, like it doesn't, <clears throat> I got big old fake lips too. I didn't need those to look female, but it was what I wanted. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's all different. Yeah. I mean, there are people who say like, I, I couldn't even look down in the shower. I had to, it changed it. I had to do it to save my life. For me, some of the changes that really? I made. Really? Yeah. I, I have, a, I have a very good friend who's, who's, um, who's, who's post-op um, gender reassignment. And she said that for the last couple of years before she got her final big surgery, um, she she had really bad personal hygiene issues because she couldn't she couldn't even wash herself properly. Couldn't touch it. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so it, it, it was, it, she had to. It was that, it was that bad. It mm -hmm. was just, I can't even bear to look at it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So wow. I'm thankful that some of those... So, the issues like that haven't been a reality to me. But again, I mm. think that um, supportive parents really bloody helped with that because I never felt shame for my body. I just felt discomfort that I had to change. But there was, there were, the, yeah. I, I, I never felt like um, I had to be one thing until I was ready to, to to decide what I wanted to be, you know? And how, yeah, and how did it feel the, like the day after you'd made that change? Did you feel Which a sense change? of relief or what did you, have you, because I just, I don't know if you, have you had the full op? I haven't had full gender reassignment. No, 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 you can ask. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't, I haven't had it. I, I, the older I get, 
it's definitely on my cards. It definitely, definitely mm. is on my cards. Um, and that's through a growing discomfort. But if you'd have asked me five years ago, I probably would have said to you, oh, I think I'm just not going to bother. You know, I was mm. just ha- I was just happy with what the changes that I'd made. However, yeah, now yeah. I'm pushing on, I'm, I'm coming up to 30. I, I would... I would str- I think I would struggle if I hadn't had it done by the time I was 35. It's definitely coming yeah. for me. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I, I don't have any attachment to um, the way that my body is now. Um, and I'm really sick of bloody like tucking and being restricted with my clothing. And, and there is a growing discomfort of, of that area of my body that I will change at yeah, some point. Yeah. You know, and thankfully we live in a country where my healthcare would support that. Yes. The NHS is wonderful things. Yeah, it does. And that's why they should be looking after it. Yeah, I guess there's that assumption as well that, like, like, you know, that, you know, I didn't, everyone's had the full op, everyone's done everything, everyone's done this. And it's so, there's so many layers. Mm -hmm. There really are. Yeah. And people, yeah. A lot of people don't, don't go through with it. You know, like I know trans women that are in their 60s and 70s that haven't had the full, that that haven't had gender reassignment. Um, Mm. And I know, I, 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 I have friends that had it done the day of their 16th birthday. I've I've got friends all over the spectrum of it, and my yeah. as with pretty much everything in my life, everything has been gradual to me. And this gradual discomfort that's come in the last few years, I'll just resolve mm. that at some point, and I won't make a big bloody yeah. song and dance of it. I'll just go off, get the surgery done, and move on with my life. You know, it's yeah, yeah. When I had my boobs done, I didn't tell anyone that I was going to get it. Well, I, my friend, my friends knew, like my close friends knew, and my family knew. But I didn't tell anybody apart from that. And I just thought, it's nobody's fucking business, you know? No. that's Well, yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah. And it's that, and I think that's where people are, that's where people struggle, isn't it? Because they, because they go, well, how can, how can she be a woman? She's got a penis. You go, well, it's, there's more to it than that. It's not, a, it's, a, it's, there's, there's other things around that. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, there's you know balls I mean? too. And so this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Is it> okay? <laughs> No, but I mean, the, the, yeah. the thing is with that, though, is like, um, nobody knows, nobody knows. Like if I, if I, without me taking my underwear off, literally nobody knows what, I, what, what is going on with my body in the same way that I've met you a couple of times. For all I know, you're a trans man. And if when you take your underwear off, you've got a vagina. But I have no idea. Yeah. And that's part of the, one, <laughs> one of the great mysteries of life is wondering what people look like naked. You don't necessarily yeah. have to know. I don't know what no. I don't know what most people look like naked. That doesn't mean that no. I, I have any entitlement to know what situation is going on in their knickers. It's none of my business. It did, it did but that was the thing. I like I said to you before when we've met and been out together drinking, and it didn't even occur to me like that gender and anything I, didn't, mm-hmm. I was like, like this is my mate Danny I'm like oh Danny mm-hmm. it wasn't I didn't even go oh what's what's her story you know I didn't didn't even come it wasn't until later on until talking to Jade and Jade went as was telling me about you and I went really oh okay it didn't you know it wasn't a thing it just wasn't a thing it's like with Lynn at the at the, at the, at the bus garage mm-hmm. I didn't know about Lynn until Lynn was having a cup of tea with me and she started to tell me her story 
Yeah. And I'm like, oh wow, I didn't even it didn't even occur to me to yeah. I think, think that there's, either there's, way. there's a really um, a really good value in trans women that will tell you everything about themselves, but you don't know that they're trans. For me, that yeah. like when I meet somebody. It, say if it, in a professional environment or a personal one, if somebody says to me, like, oh, tell me about yourself, I'm automatically going to tell you that I'm Welsh, probably a bit about my work history, probably tell you where I live, um, what what I've been up to, I'll pr- probably throw in a comment about my, about my boyfriend. You know, like I would tell you all of these different things. Yeah. And, um, and probably the ninth thing that I'm going to say to you, and oh, by the way, I'm trans, because it's, it's a part of who I am. It's not my full identity. Now, yeah, yeah, and, that, yeah. and unfortunately, a lot of trans people now, with the, with the especially with the way that social media and the media in general is, is you ask them who they are and they say, like, my name, you know, like, I'm trans. Oh, and my name is. It's the first mm, thing that right, comes out yeah. of their mouth. Um and there's, it, it, that's, a, that's a blessing and a curse because they open a conversation, but they also start a conversation with trans stuff. And I think a, a real thing that we should be working towards now is having conversations about who we are and trans being a part of it rather than us being trans and, and, own, and our personal lives only being yeah. a part of that, you know? Well, yeah. Well, that's it. Like I said to you before, when we when we when we first met and had, we've sat and had a drink and stuff like that. It was we were just people having a drink. It wasn't, you know, we are. You know, you go, oh yeah, I've got my boyfriend's this, and I do this for a living. And it was like talking. We're, we're people first. You know, uh-huh. it's, the, all the you know, I don't sit there. I don't walk. I didn't walk up to you and go, hello. Yeah, I'm uh, Jade's boyfriend. Uh, got a penis. Um, yeah. You know, he just didn't, it's not the way, he just wouldn't do it. No, you, so, did, no, you said, hello, yeah, I've got a penis you know. and I'm Jade's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I just got it out. There you go. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Didn't you, did, didn't you dip it into my drink? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what blokes do. That's all we do. We, we're just, we are <laughs> animals. We just go around, <laughs> yeah. going around yeah. putting our dicks in drinks. <laughs> but I, but... <laughs> I, I hope we get to a point where things are a bit more level-headed on both sides, you know, where we can have more conversations like this rather mm-hmm. than feeling like we can't ask questions because for fear of being made to feel you're being a turf or you're, or you're anti this or you're anti that. Cause I'm not, I'm not anti anything. I'm just, I want everybody to get along and, you know, and that, some people say, oh, you desk cause you're too nice. And you're like, well, just the world is a beautiful place and it's fucking mad that we're here in the first place. Yeah. So shouldn't we be helping each mm-hmm. other, especially now when you've got a virus that could easily have wiped us all out. Yeah. It's very fragile. The human beings are a very fragile species. It turns out. So surely we should be doing more to lift each other up, rather I think than it's, trying to. It's it's worse when you're looking at all online too. I um I heard statistics yeah, the other yeah. day that um only twenty percent of the world has Twitter, right? And yes. um, and of of the twenty percent of the world that uses Twitter, eighty percent of the content is produced by five percent of its users. Wow. So the, yeah, you, when you log into things like Instagram, like like Twitter and all of these things, which is where most of us get our information from, 
it is being yeah. 80% of what we look at is being made up of 5% of 20%. Wow. So Jeez. just the, the world is better than we think. We're just getting it all shoved in our fucking faces. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You're so right. And it's, I think as much as I love social media, yeah, we do need to have a point. My, yeah. my friend Jackie the other day, she was saying to me, she was like, God, I just feel so anxious. I'm so stressed out. And all of that. I'm like, but you're not working. Why are you so stressed? She's like, I just feel like everything's going to shit and all of that. And I'm like, do you know why it is? It's because you're spending all your time on Instagram. Like, yes. you, no, no, nobody thinks that you're a shit person for taking time off of Instagram. So just start taking time away from it. Last week, mm. I took Instagram off of my phone for the first four days of the week, and I felt so much more relaxed. So that's what Absolutely. I do. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, just, I just start deleting the apps and only downloading them when I have something positive to add to them, because sitting there and absorbing the energy that is coming from anger on both sides like it's yeah. doing nothing for us and it's not helping no exactly exactly mm-hmm. and then it's just and like we said it's making people that aren't on either, like, sort of in the middle just looking at this thing kicking off going oh fuck this i can't be bothered with this i've, yeah. got, I've got my own shit to fucking worry about yeah and so that, again that, so that's where the conversation stops um yeah. Oh, fuck. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's fucking... <laughs> does my head in. Well, we'll again, I should come away from it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Fuck I know, it. I know. And <laughs> Danny, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having it's me. Been it's re- been lovely. It's been really cool. Where can we find you, funnily enough? Talked about social media. Are you on anywhere that you would like people to follow you on, or would you rather not? <laughs> um, I'm mainly Instagram. I'm... Um... Danny yeah. St. James, Danny with one N, St. James like the park. Lovely. My old Lovely. tagline used to be um, St. James like the park and just as easy to get into, but I'm not going to say that anymore. <laughs> 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 Produced by Paul Daniels at pauldaniels.tv. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.